done. Give me a second. There we go. Yep, there we go. Got everybody's attention. I am on. I was sitting on a stool ready for my solo. We're just going to forgo the solo today. Um, one thing I want to mention before we get into what I'm going to mention is how great is it for us as a community to be able to respond to moments of the Spirit in a community where we, we sense God is doing something and we, we go off script, which is partly why I'm not doing a solo because we don't want to go that far off script. Uh, we want to keep it within boundaries and reason, but it's so good to be able to pray, uh, follow the Spirit, to hear a word, to be present to what God is doing in this moment, not just what we planned. So uh, we praise you, God. Thank you for allowing us to respond to your spirit as you are present to us today. Uh, we as a church continually want to be present to God, and we want to continue to understand who he is. And so we have sermons. And uh, you may have noticed by my attempt to do a solo that I am not doing the uh, sermon today. And I bet you many of you actually know why. Uh, we are celebrating John Pierce's retirement today. So if there's some new faces. Some, yeah, yeah, give a clap. Yeah, there's there's many people who have been around for years in this community. There's some that are new, uh, who may have never have even heard of a John Pierce. Well, you have missed out. I can tell you that much. I got to work with John uh, a little bit over a year. We got to have some great conversations, share sermons, and he's been retired for well over a year now, which is mind blowing to me, and I'm sure to many of you. But John has come back. He's going to share a message. We're going to celebrate with potluck, which is also another reason I'm sure some of you came out. I know we love John, but food also motivates us here. So I'm going to invite John to come on up. This is John Pierce. If you do not know him, take an opportunity to chat with him today. Uh, he, is, he is a great guy, and I'm going to try to get him to come back, but he also mentioned he now knows how long it takes to get here. So there's, there's that factor. Uh, up till now, he was like, oh, you know, I can come back here and there. But yeah, he's going to preach. He's going to share from God's word. And I'm just going to pray over your message and let you get into it. Heavenly Father, we, we invite you to continue your, your glorification of yourself. Lord, we ask that you use the words of John to bless us as a community, to continue to form us in your knowledge, your likeness, and your lifestyle. Thank you so much for bringing him back to us today so we can celebrate the work you have done through his life in our lives over the past 35 years. Bless our time together. Amen. And you might also notice that we don't have a middle aisle for you to go down. So you got to pick one or the other, because that's, that's traditional. Over the top. Yeah, John's got this. All right, cheers, John. Oh, yeah. It's an absolute delight to be here and to see so many of you. Um, just in case, like... My retirement was, in fact, uh, celebrated already. Uh, so we, we had a beautiful service where uh, people did video recordings, and, and I received like a, a beautiful gift. But what, what we missed, of course, was this, the chance to be together. And a dinner, of course, you got to eat, right? <laughs> so so uh, I'm very, very grateful for this chance to be with you, uh, to continue. It's... it's, it's uh, it's a long time already that I've been retired. It's almost exactly a year and a half uh, right now. Um, just for a little bit of an update, we're doing great. Everybody wondered, how are you? We're doing great. We're, we're living in a beautiful little town. Uh, I've never lived in a small town before. I've got all kinds of small town stories, if you want to hear some after. I'll pass them along. Uh, so we're, we're, we're loving it. Uh, however, I should also say I absolutely loved being a pastor. Now, now um, 
Brad made it a little longer than it actually was when he introduced me there, so it really hasn't been 35 years yet. But um, it's been 30 years that I was here, and I, probably what I loved about being a pastor most of all was the opportunity to be with people during their happiest and their hardest moments. And as I look around the room, there's actually, there's a few people I don't know, which is awesome, I'm glad. Uh, glad to have you here, glad you're here. Um, but, but many of you I have known through so many things. And in between those hard moments and those happy moments, there are of course lots and lots and lots of ordinary moments. And we have shared a lot of those as well. And uh, it seems to me the task that's been given us, and this is what we tried to do for many years while I was here, and this, I'm sure what you're trying to do now, is to figure out how to have faith, how to love God, how to follow God in all of those moments, those hard moments, those beautiful moments, those and sometimes the ordinary moments are one of the hardest, right, to figure out what to do with. Uh, the ordinary moments, how do we follow God and serve Him? I want to share a few thoughts today. I hope, I hope that'll be helpful. Um, so uh, last week, Brad started a new sermon series on Ezra and Nehemiah about rebuilding. And uh, so when I heard that, we, like, we figured out what week I was going to come, and it turns out it was the second week of this new series. So I asked him, can I preach on Ezra 7.10, because that's my life verse. Now, what is he going to say? Like, <laughs> you say, no, that doesn't fit my, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. what, what can he say? So, so uh, I, I'm going to share this verse, um, uh, Ezra 7.10, it's, it's printed out for you. I, I could not possibly come back and share a sermon at Stanley Park without giving you a sermon outline. Okay? There's a, yeah, just, like, like just for nostalgia, if nothing else. Uh, you, you, you have that. Um, and I printed the, the verse out. Uh, this, now, this verse has been deeply meaningful to me and, and, some, and it's, it, it has, it served as my life verse. I'm not saying that everybody ought to have a life verse, but for me, it's so long I can't even remember where or when or how this became such an important verse to me. But I do know it was a really long time ago because it, I always say it in my head in the New American Standard Version. Uh, so that's why I'm quoting, I'm not suggesting that you switch Bible versions, but it's so long ago, and, and the verse goes like this, for Ezra had set his heart, set his heart, to study the law of the Lord, and to practice it, and to teach his statues and ordinances in Israel. And again, this verse got hold of me, the, the, Ezra set his heart to study to practice, to teach. Study, practice, teach. Okay, we're, we're coming back here or something. <laughs> there are things happening with computers around me. Um, so, uh, we can, um, I'd like to just share a few comments about this verse, and I, what I want to do is I want to run through it three times, three passes through, each time a little bit, uh, I don't know, deeper, a little bit different emphasis. But let me just start off with the obvious, and, and, and let, me, let me say this uh, as an obvious point. Ezra was involved in rebuilding the temple. The temple had been destroyed, 
And Ezra was involved, one of the key leaders that God used in a time when the temple was being rebuilt. I, I think we can all, in, in one way, our situation right now, of course, is not anywhere near as intense as what uh, the people of Israel went through in the 70 years of, of uh, exile. And Brad talked about that a lot last week, so you can, you're, um, you're all up to date on that, um, and you can get his talk online. Um, but I think we are right in the middle of a, a double rebuilding. Number one, how, how many are your lives just crazy. Lots of crazy things have been happening. Yeah, yeah. Now, now for some of us, that's always been the case, right? <laughs> that's just how it is. But, but this has been such a very, very weird time. And, I, you know, I've got friends, you've got friends who are uh, working the school system, working the healthcare system, working restaurants, uh, own businesses, and it's crazy, crazy times. And this goes down and affects our soul. And I, I think just about everybody is feeling the need to rebuild. I'm, I'm hoping what I say today can help us in that just a little bit. Also, every church that I know has gone through, and I, you know, I still keep up with the pastors and the pastor's news and that kind of stuff. Uh, every church is in the middle of some kind of rebuilding uh, in these crazy times. So if you're feeling, wow, this is all just very strange and weird, yeah, it is. And that's okay. That's where we live. What we want to figure out is how do we have faith? How do we love God? How do we follow God in the middle of this right now, where we are? Because we can't be anywhere else. This is where we are, right? That's where we are. So uh, let, let me just run through the, the, the first run through this verse is, is pretty straightforward. Um, Ezra set his heart. Here's an interesting thing. Set his heart. I think one of, the, one of the things we need many of us to do in order to have any kind of rebuilding is to have a, a, a resolve to get on with it. Um, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I find myself some days, I just sort of wake up and I think, Hardly, you know, hey, I'm retired. Um, <sighs> maybe something will happen today, maybe it won't, it doesn't matter. Okay, um, a little of that's probably not a bad thing. A little, a little of that would be an awesome thing some days, right? But too long of that, we, we need some resolve. But notice what Ezra, Ezra did not say, I am going to rebuild the temple. At least he didn't start there. He, he did do that. He did, he did do that. But his resolve was to study the word. His resolve was to put it into practice in his own life. His resolve was to teach that to others. That's where he began. That's what his, I'm not going to be moved from this, started. And I'd suggest that's really good for all of us. Um, you know, especially, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking now, uh, while I'm a retired pastor, I still think like a pastor a lot of times. And, uh, and uh, you know, when you think about a, a situation where churches are needing to be rebuilt, you, you, just, you just, you feel the weight of, I've got to get this thing done. And, uh, and again, some of that's probably not a bad thing. But as we started with his devotion to God and the word, 
his devotion to living his own life before God in a good way and, and in sharing the message about God with the people of God. And so there's a, there's a, there's a thing to start. Now, it seems to me there's a pattern, uh, a sequence, a pattern that is in these verses. And we'll, we're going to refer to this over and over again as we go through here. Um, but the, the, here's the, the, there's a sensible flow. It starts with attention to God, attention to Scripture, it moves to, I've got to work this into my life, and then it bubbles out and we share with others. So, that's pass one. There's the, there's the, there's the sequence, and I suggest as we, I, you know, when Ezra was tasked by God to rebuild the temple, this is where he started. He started with his connection with God. He started with his own heart and life. He started with sharing reaching out to others. So, now I want to fast forward a little bit. I don't know if you've had a, a verse or a, a theme or a, a sequence like this that you have pondered over and over and over and over again. I've, I have thought about this verse and this, you know, study, practice, teach. Uh, I've, I've thought about this for, like, it's, it's got to be 30, 40 years that this verse has played this role for me, or, or more even, maybe. I don't know. The memories get a little dimmer, dimmer when you go back that far. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, like, <clears throat> I know this will shock some of you, but I love to study. <laughs> okay. And uh, for, for those, just, just so you know, uh, I have read more books in the last year and a half than I have for a long, long time, simply because I've got lots of time. And every time I read something, I find a few more. And, uh, and I'm building up this collection, and I'm, I'm just going to keep... So, and I love to study. But, but when you're looking at Scripture, if you're looking at the Bible, st studying is very important. Of course it's important. Uh, but, but by the nature of what it is that we're studying, it, it impacts your life as well. Uh, it's, it's to be lived out. Um, as I pondered these, you know, study, practice, teach... Looking at myself, the little studious guy, very studious guy, uh, study, practice, teach, and then, you know, very young. I was like 18 years old when I started getting chances to speak, and uh, I, I, have, I have loved it ever since. Uh, and uh, so study, practice, teach, I'm thinking about myself, a little, you know, really hard studier, you know, try to put it in practice uh, everywhere I can, let's have a chance to teach and preach, and, you know, and I'm thinking about, and then I started to observe, and this, now we're on to, this is past two here, uh, the principles for rebuilding our individual lives, um, I started noticing some things that weren't very pleasant. Tell me if you have seen some of these things, too. Have you ever bumped into a Bible know-it-all? <laughs> and so the, so the aim of a Bible, and, and I've hovered there all my life. So the, the aim of a Bible know-it-all is to know. See, they've got me, so I can't move. <laughs> The, the aim of a Bible note is to understand, know the details. 
Perhaps get into a little argument now and again, a little bit of a debate. Anybody been in any of those kind of conversations? And there is a, there's a, a Bible know-it-all thing, and, and there's, the, as you see it, just as soon as you see it, you just say, oh, okay, okay, that's not it. Okay, whatever study means, it's got to mean something other than that. The other thing I noticed, have you noticed this? There are religious people who do like they're so obedient. If you have an option between disobedience and obedience, always pick obedience, okay? Just, just to be clear with what I'm gonna say next, just, just to be clear. However, there is a way of being rigidly, I, 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 have, you, have you maybe ever switched church groups? Okay. I'm not recommending that either, just, for, <laughs> just, just, just to be really clear, I'm not recommending that. But, here, but I've had the opportunity to be part of quite a number of different church groups over the years. And everyone is just a little bit different. And what you need to do and be, the way you need to behave and speak, the way you need to look and act, you can actually pick that up in maybe a year or two. And you sort of become like... Do you know what I'm saying? And there's a certain way of carrying yourself. And I noticed Bible know-it-alls and people who outwardly conform to a set of behavior standards, but it doesn't smell like it goes any deeper than that inside them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Here's the other thing I noticed in churches all the time. So study, practice, teach. These, I'm pondering these three words. So there's the Bible know-it-alls, the outward conformity thing. And then there's all these people who are incredibly busy and stressed with all of the things that they do at church. Anybody seen anybody like that? <laughs> and then... Somehow when I looked at that, and I took this text, and I'm pondering this idea of study, practice, teach, what does this look like, how do we live graciously in God, uh, I, I want to say something, I want to re-say, I, I still think the sequence there is incredibly important, but here, I, I got some word pictures in my head, uh, let me share them with you. The first one about, about how we interact with the Bible, how we interact with the Word. Uh, for those of you who've been around a long time, you've probably heard me say this before because I, I say it all the time because I really believe it. Um, it seems to me there's two kind of stances we can take when we study the Bible. Uh, there, the one is the standing over, and the picture is like a, you know, a little magnifying glass, and the idea is analyzing, and I am analyzing, standing over, using, mastering, comprehending the Bible, okay? And I'm not saying there's no place for that ever. Um, I, the, the, there's, there's good, you know, there's, but the other stance that I'm thinking of is where the, the word is over us, addressing us. We stand under, not over. Uh, and and here's, the, here's the thing, and I, you know, those of you who know me, you know, Spending time in the Bible has been one of the, it has been absolutely the greatest 
stabilizer of my life, my Christian life, my whole life. But what has made it that is the continual, long time, over life experience of hearing God address me through the Bible. Now, I want to tell you that that doesn't, it's not automatic and it's not necessarily easy, not necessarily straightforward. But that is how, that's the stance that I've come to when I study, practice, teach. Uh, the study part is it takes attention, attention to Scripture, but it's not becoming a Bible. You know, the, 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 the most faithful person to the Bible is not the one who knows the most Bible trivia. It's the one who knows the author the best and hears what he says. The, the, the second thing, uh, second word, so... Uh, Practice. I, I want to be so, so careful here because I, I, I don't want to make it sound like just doing what you're told when God is the one telling is not a good idea. It's, it is. It's a really good idea. I, I don't want to somehow give the impression that that doesn't matter. But you know some people who deeply know God. You know some people whose lives are honed from the inside by their relationship with God. And, and so, it's, for me, a good, a good word for this, I, it's, it, you know, it's, again, you can't catch it. You've you got to tell stories to get the, get the picture, right? Uh, but a, a better word than obedience, I think, is the word formation. God is interested in forming and shaping us. And you know it's working when people are like Jesus. That's what... God is trying to shape us to be like, to be like Jesus. And so, so the, now, now here's, a, okay, we live in kind of a self-help culture, right? Uh, and be the best you you can be. And I truly, truly hope that you can be the best you that you can be. But I'm very, very convinced that the way you become the best you that you can be is by connecting to God. He's the one who calls us up. And so when you find, how many of you had one of those moments when you realize, you know what, I am really looking, sounding, and acting like a jerk. (laughs) It's a horrible experience, uh, one I very familiar with. Uh, and, and it's very, very easy at that moment to say, oh no, I've got to change. Good instinct, right? Good instinct. It's a really good idea. But then the question of how do we go about changing? I think study, practice, teach. That's the wisdom of that, you know, this, this little flow, this sequence, it comes first from our connection with God. And so when we find ourselves needing to change, I mean, it's okay to try, you know, try harder, sure, but go back to God. Go back to God, and he will help us. Okay, and then let me get to the last one, because I I have one more little run-through I want to do. Um, 
the, the word I want to get to is uh, overflow. Have you ever been witnessed to by a really, really enthusiastic witnesser? And uh, <clears throat> sometimes you think, well, 10 points for effort here. <laughs> but it just feels so fake. It feels so intrusive. Have you ever been deeply, deeply touched by someone as they shared their experience in Christ and it made you want to grow and change? And the difference there is between doing your duty, and I'm pretty sure those people who I referred to at first, they were sent out by some team at church. I, I know they were. <laughs> I know they were, because <laughs> I've been on those teams. I've led those teams. <laughs> I've done that stuff. But if we start with our life in God, and then we are formed by our connection with him, and then everything we do flows out of that, there's life, there's hope, there's joy. There's a touch of God in there. Okay, study, practice, teach. Um, let me do one more. Okay, so we, we get the, that's two passes through. I, I want to do a pass through this idea of Ezra set his heart to study, to practice, and to teach, and think specifically about churches. Because Every church I know is at the point where they're saying, how do we rebuild from here in this crazy, crazy time? That's what we're doing. We're all doing that. You're doing that. Wherever, you know. Uh, actually, I'm not doing that now. <laughs> but, but, but soon I'll find somewhere to join in and help. And um, here's the thing. <clears throat> I read a lot of stuff. I read a lot of stuff by pastors and church leaders, and I, you know, I like that stuff. I, I still, still keep very much up on that kind of reading. And one of the things I've found is, uh, how many have read the Bible and thought, this is a hard book? Okay, I just want you to know, I totally agree. Anybody who says the Bible is simple and easy to understand, uh, they, they need to, well, they're, they're probably just saying that because someone told them they're supposed to say that because that's how it is. Uh, it, 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 it can be a really challenging book. It's a very challenging book. Now, having said that, in the process of wrestling with the Bible, I have found so much hope, so much life, so much joy, so much information about God. It's, it's awesome, but it's not necessarily easy. So in the midst of that experience, we are in a funny time culturally right now where the Bible has actually kind of fallen out of favor. Have you noticed that? Um, it used to be lots of people said, oh yeah, the good book, don't know what it says, but, uh, but, but now a lot of people say, oh, the Bible is an evil book. It's a, 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 it not, just, oops, sorry, not just as hard to understand, but it's, it's full of bad ideas. Okay, I don't agree with that at all. But I hear an awful lot of Christians who are backing away from Scripture 
and not attending to Scripture and trying to find some way to build what they're doing, what they're being as a church, on something else. And may I, I just, I, no, again, I don't, I don't think that's happening here. But it's happening a lot of places. It's happening a lot of places. And here is my concern, back to study, practice, teach here, is that we could find ourselves in a situation where we're a church that didn't have anything to say. Because we have been entrusted with this amazing message that God has interacted with human beings over the last four or five thousand years at least, showing himself to us, showing himself to us centrally and supremely in the person of Jesus and in his death and his resurrection. And that story is the story that we are living into and living out of. And if we don't have that story to share, we find ourselves with nothing to say. That's my first concern as churches are rebuilding. Here's my, here's my second. Um, anybody read about church scandals lately? Wow. One? Oh, okay. I, maybe it's because of where I read, but man, every time I turn around, there's another, another church scandal of people just behaving really bad. Christians behaving. Christians behaving badly. There'd be a... Yeah. <laughs> and um, so this sequence of study, put it into practice yourself, then teach others, has, it's just really huge that we actually get shaped and formed to be like Jesus. Now, so he, and, and here's the concern. <clears throat> Maybe we won't end up being a church with nothing to say, but we could end up being a church that nobody will listen to. But here's my fear. When I, when I say this, I say, well, okay, it's really, really important that Christians learn how to behave Christianly. It is really, really important that Christians learn how to behave Christianly and figure out what that is. Really, really important. However, I, my fear is that when I say that, we'll all together say, okay, okay, we got to set up, we got to set up some boundaries here, we got to set up some guidelines, we got to get people to behave. How many of you have tried to get someone to behave? Okay. It's really, really hard to get yourself to behave. It is harder, harder yet to get anybody else to behave. It's really, really hard. And, and so what that whole approach of trying harder and then adding it in a corporate dimension, it'll, it'll never work. The only thing that will, I think, is us going to God, learning to hear his voice. Because he's... He knows how to correct his children. How many of you have been corrected by God? <laughs> he, he knows how to correct his children. And so, uh, my third, you know, study, practice, teach, my third sort of danger for churches as they rebuild is sometimes it's so much work 
to try to get on with each other. How, how many of you had, had some trouble getting on with each other at church? No, maybe not this church, but you heard stories about other churches. Uh, and uh, um, it, it can be so consuming to try to keep things together at home base that you never give a thought for anybody outside yourself. And a church like a family or like a person, and we're seeing this everywhere these days just, just because of the weird situation we're in. As we turn inward, have you noticed that everybody's fighting? Everybody's fighting about everything. Even if they agree, they fight. <laughs> While we turn in, that, that's, that's dangerous. We need to turn out. So what do we do? We need, I think, this is, you know, back to study, practice, teach. We need together, individual, together and individually, individually and corporately, we need to turn ourselves to God. Look to him. Learn this word, but learn it standing under it. Learn the big story. There's a long, long story. At the center of that story is Jesus. At the center of Jesus' story is the cross. That tells us, I mean, if you ponder long enough and think about it, that tells us who God is. What kind of God is this? He's the kind of God who comes in person and dies for us and rises again. He's the kind of person who finds a way to forgive but then pours out his spirit so that he, he can transform us. So, we, so it's, we, we come to him. We are formed by that picture, of, and we need each other to do that. And then as we find our lives full, together we discover our gifts, our unique abilities, the things that, that you know, there's stuff I can do that you can't do. There's tons of stuff that you can do that I can't do. And we find that when we find ourselves on the same page, and, and Brad's been preaching about this too, when we find ourselves on the same page, finding our bit that we can do, then some rebuilding starts to happen. Then some outflow starts to happen. But not contrived and strained and harsh, but life-giving, life filling, calling and inviting. May that be our experience, I pray. Let me pray for us as we close up here today. Lord, that we might know you, that we might hear your voice, that we might learn what kind of a God you are. And that we might, bit by bit, become more like you. And that that life that we receive from you could bubble over into our touching of other lives. May it be so. And may this church, who is like every church, rebuilding, be built that way. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. John, thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah.